We've got hair pieces, statutory limitations, and more tied up whip action than a Nicholas Sparks book. It's Fifty Shades of Grayskull. It's Masters of the Universe, Part 2, this week on Nothing Good. Mr. Brown, here we are. Back again. Part two, Masters of the Universe. This is our third part two. Well, this is what we do, apparently. We this... are really milking the I'm not first sure this couple is episodes good for our metrics or bad for our metrics. We don't really have metrics. No, we have one Peruvian metric. Yeah, and, and I, I really hope that that Peruvian metric sticks around. Based off the kind of shit that I have said <laughs> to our one Peruvian listener so far, if you have stuck with us... You either don't understand what I'm saying, or you do, and you're here for it. In which case, I have to say, what up, Peru? Hey. So, <laughs> how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm good. excited. You know, good. two consecutive two-part episodes. You know, we, we, we foolishly thought this would not happen, ever. And it's happened... So much. It's probably going to, and this ain't going to be the last time I have a feeling. Oh, God, no. Wait, listen, wait until we get to Hart and Austin. <laughs> oh, God. That actually may end up three parts. God help us if we ever do a Star Wars episode. You know what would be really interesting? It'd probably be like Star Wars. Yep. You love it? <laughs> yeah, it's yep. pretty good. I like it a lot. Yep. Yeah. All right, good night. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, okay, uh, let's let's just jump right back into right it. Right back where we left off, Masters of the Universe. We get to, I want to say at this point... Uh, we, we transition to the high school. No, we don't get. To we come back to Attorney real fast. We do we? Or Skeletor? Skeletor steals the scene again. So yeah, so so Skeletor is stealing a scene. He's like, "What news of He Man?" And, yeah. and that's when the nerd, he's like, "By the time the moon rises and the eye opens." But and he's given. Is that when know, we meet the mercenaries? Yes. So, some. But more importantly, yeah. At this point, this is this is the only other key rant I really need to go well, on. So this good. <clears throat> so Skeletor's going through, and then in walks in Evelyn, uh, played by Meg Foster. Meg Foster. And I have to take a minute here, folks. If you did not see this film, you don't know who I mean by Meg Foster, I need you to Google her. Yeah. Because I found myself questioning my entire life choices watching Meg Foster be in this movie. Why is that? Because here is a clearly terrible person with piercing evil eyes. Man. And th those aren't contacts. And I am here for it. And now <laughs> most of the relationships in my life, it starts to check out. And I'm just like, oh, wow, really? Is that the thing? Like, she would hurt you. And I'm like, yeah. And I am okay with that. It's all on brand. She's like, you'd have sex with her and she wouldn't blink the entire time. No, she'd just she'd stare right into you. you. And then she'd look at you and she'd be like, are you done? And then she'd just walk away. <laughs> okay. She'd just walk away. And then you'd be like, where are you going? And you realize, did she take my credit card? No. Did she take my wallet? No. What did she do? And at that point, you realize that the entire room was painted red with the blood of what used to be your cat. Oh my God. No. And then she just drives away and you're like, hmm. It was worth it, though. I think I've seen that X-Files episode. Yes. 
Scully! Right. <laughs> he literally shouts. So anyway, we meet so, the mercenaries. Yeah, we meet the four mercenaries. I'd like to know your opinions on them because that. This is, you know, I saw Empire Strikes Back. I've met some mercenaries Have in my day. Have you seen day. that film? I've seen that film more than once. This so is many like parallels. our 48th Star Wars reference. Listen, in this movie. I can't help it. No, they can't help it. What's <laughs> the point? She's like, he's Darth Vader, aka Skeletor, is like, will you find them? And then he's like, Evelyn's like, I got you. Yeah, and I'm like, I got four random B characters that are gonna pour out you, of this. Yeah, thing. you put respect on Beast Man's name. He's the only one that I remember because <laughs> he's like, yeah. So we got, uh, so you know, we Excuse got uh, uh, Solrod, the Lizard Man, who had the, <clears throat> the like the the, the 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 oxygen sack in his throat, which he, is really cool. Well, I mean, so my only note about that is it looks like somebody took a drooping pair of balls and put a, uh, a a Brillo pad right between the two of them and let them gently hang around the side. And so it's like, that, that's what his neck looks like. It didn't look anything like that, yes, but okay. <laughs> so Peru, I, I Peru, feel like go back and look. If in, in like, because you got Sorod, Beastman, Blade, and Karg. Okay. Yeah. Sorod, I maintain, is underrated. He did not deserve to die when he died. Absolutely he did. He did not. Yes, he did. I'm going to get to who deserved to die, and it wasn't him. All okay. right. Sorod is underrated. Okay. I feel that, you know, Beast Man is a badass. And it's not just because he was one of my favorite action figures growing up, but he is, in fact, a badass, you know, and he, granted, you know, he did get ammonia in the, in the face like a bitch, but... He did. Uh, Blade is probably vegan. No offense to vegans. And no. he probably writes, you know... Romantic novellas and fan fictions in his spare uh, yeah. time. If I can hop in on Blade here, yeah. I have one note about any of the mercenaries, and it's that Blade, damn, Moby looks good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Homie looks like if someone took Moby, the DJ pop sensation, I don't even know what the fuck you would describe Moby as, a musician from the early 2000s, and you're like, let's make him a metal baraka from Mortal Kombat, it's Blade. Yeah, he was pretty useless in my mind. Oh. But then there's Karg, who's a pussy. Oh, Karg's the worst. He's the one who should have got killed. He should have died. Um, the only reason why they didn't is because they spent so much goddamn money on his character creation <laughs> to not look any good. Like, he they're, he, like, they're he leaving looked pretty cool, but he was useless. No, He so, was barking orders the like, entire time. What was that 80s shitty series? Ghoulies. From the eighties, you remember that? Like, there's like, our our trolls or something. There was like a series of things where all the creatures were like little in the eighties horror movie, okay. and they all looked like Gar. I don't remember that. And but... they all they all had that face look that that very Linda Blair yeah. uh, from Exorcist yeah. kind of a look to them. Yeah. But all as but as like a tiny little thing. And yeah. Oh yeah. If there was one character, I thought the the. The scrotum neck lizard guy. Scrotum uh, neck lizard guy. I, he was disposable, but I really think only Beastman and Blade had any point as far as a mercenary because Beastman. Uh, first of all, I, uh, a quick sidebar about Beastman. Okay. I would love to have been at catering when Beastman walked up. And he's just like, <laughs> "Do you have anything that's gluten free?" <laughs> With his fangs in his mouth. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Robbie. And then he goes on and he eats. That just would have been a great. What's your scene today? Oh, I'm going to get uh, hit in the face by Courtney Cox. Yeah, she's going to throw ammonia in my face. But yeah, the only two like, are the mercenaries that had anything to do with, even directly in an action sequence, 
our Blade and Beastman, Karg uh, just lies. He to literally Evelyn. screams, "Find her! Find her! Get them! Get them! I've got you, my pretty!" And he lies to Evelyn, which is why he should have died. Yeah. He was a, ain't a, he's he was terrible. Yeah, Sorod, he actually tried. I mean. He's all, yeah. I mean, I, I think they just ran out of ideas on how oh, to make it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. They're like, the one we don't have the idea for. The one who had no lines of dialogue whatsoever. Yeah, except. Ah. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, the the villain show, uh, we meet the four mercenaries. Well, we got off track there. Yeah, we did. The, the four mercenaries come up. Evelyn's like, I got these guys. Uh, and Skeletor says, uh, "When this is where we find that the, if one key turns on, the other one can kind of get right. an idea where it is. Skeletor says, uh, when they go to use the key again, track it down. And basically, <laughs> down. and she's like there. So, then after discovering this key in the cemetery near uh, Courtney Cox's dead parents' grave, <laughs> which is a big sentence. Yes. They're at the high school gym where Kevin was totally hoping to get some play. 100%. But she's totally ready to leave. She's like standing near the doorway yeah. while he's doing his totally ready playing to leave. the keyboards. Does and he's like, good? listen she's to like, this yeah. song. And she's and it, he plays the synthesizer line. She's like, it sounds great, Kevin. I think she literally says it. Like, <laughs> it's 845. I missed the bus. <laughs> and motherfucker does not pick up on this the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so, so she's, t- and he's, and he's like, oh, what about that thing we found? Like, he's stalling. Mm-hmm. Keep her around as much oh, as yeah. he can. He's like, oh, I guess since, uh, since you missed your bus and your parents are dead, we should just crash at your house tonight. You know, right? He's <laughs> yeah. trying to score one more of those nights. But that's when they start playing with this thing more extensively. Mm-hmm. And they turn it on and it sends the signal that Skeletor was waiting for. And so the mercenaries... All empty out into this high school locker room, thinking that it's where he managed. This is now at the same time, Kevin has gone to see his buddy, uh, to who I don't really Louis, the synthesizer guy. Was his name Louis? I think so. Whatever it is, it's synthesizer guy. He's like, oh, okay. So, and here, this is again Kevin being like, okay, so I once again I see why you break up with you're breaking up with this douchebag. First point, he's like, oh, so you're leaving and you can't stay? Well, at least come to my band sound check. And then the second time, he's like, so I know you're leaving in like really soon, forever, but I totally got to take this to my synthesizer guy. I'll be like <laughs> I need a 15 guy. minutes. You'll be okay. She's like, yeah, I'll be fine. You'll be okay. Yeah, I just want to kind of say goodbye to the old place. He's, she's really saying, fucking leave. Yeah. And here's the thing about that. Uh, anyone who knows any kind of musician, if a musician says, I'm going into the music store, under no circumstances in any history of the world will you be there for just 15 minutes. <laughs> Not counting the drive there or the drive back. Right. Synthesizer store. He goes to see Synthesizer. So Courtney Cox is all alone in his high school, which yeah. is what she wanted, uh, when the mercenaries jumped through time and sent to retrieve this key, which is no longer there anymore. Yeah. Uh, they have like a big battle. He-Man shows up, fends them off. It's like a big No, schmuck. so they chase her through the school yeah. and proceed to burn that motherfucker down. Oh, yeah, to the ground. Well, not to the ground, but damn near, I'm sure. Yeah. Full on. And they chase Courtney Cox out to an alleyway, uh, trying to corner her. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, she's clearly not holding the key. They're like, don't hurt her. She might know where it is. And they're <laughs> chasing her through this, uh, again, 80s movie trope. An unnecessary amount of junk. Yeah. I've never seen an alleyway and, like that in my life. But in a neatly fenced-in area. 
Yeah. Gotta understand, like a lot of '80s action movies have. You know what? This out, this movie needs a neatly sectioned, like an open storage unit. Yeah, but with junk, just wooden boxes and pop angles. out of or behind or jump down from, going ha, just like, and surprise people. Hey, and things. And here's and here's the big thing. And I'm sorry to step on uh, on the toes. Jump in anytime you want. So she's running through this unnecessarily suddenly and convenient junkyard. Yeah, outside of her high school. Yeah, yeah. That, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's and true. an alleyway, uh, in which I have a note that this, whatever California town I live in, it sure is, a, has a whole lot of alleyways. <laughs> there's like a lot of alleyways in this thing. I'm like, there's, but we haven't seen any city buildings. It's all small town. It's all str- city streets and alleyways. Yes. In this anyway, so chasing cars through this junkyard. And then while running from them and they're getting her down and she's escaping and she's all stressed out and she's freaking out, she runs smack dab into He-Man. Now, here's the thing. She runs right into, and I cannot possibly stress this enough, a barely clothed yeah, Dolph Lundgren clad. in a dark junkyard at night running from monsters. So she reacts accordingly. She runs into naked Dolph Lundgren <laughs> and she's like, oh my God, get away from me, get away. And he's like, and then this is all he's just like, listen, calm down. Yeah. He tells I will me, protect you. I'll protect you. Are you okay? Where like he's and he just starts and, and and then he here's the thing. Within eight seconds of meeting her, he pulls her into his rippling bosom. And he's like, it's is okay. It, it is rippling, right? Okay. Uh, and he pulls her into her pecs. And basically, in 2021 context, she runs into a half mostly naked dude running from other dudes in a junkyard. She starts freaking out. He tells her to calm down. <laughs> then he tells her, I'm here to protect you. And then pulls her in to unwarranted physical contact. Yes. That's weird. Oh, That's it's, like, it's super weird. It's super weird. But it's 1987. Weird. All rules well, are out the window. Are all, yeah, the rules haven't been written yet, apparently. <laughs> so, and she, by the way, she's a minor. Yeah, she's got to be... At the oldest, possibly 18, maybe. Possibly. But she was probably 17 years old. Yeah, yeah. She is She is a high school student. Yeah. That big, giant... And, Do- and I have one of my notes, one of my first notes here, uh, is Dolph Lundgren, 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 Luden's Cough Drops. <laughs> Dolph has muscles in places that I don't have places. <laughs> He's a big motherfucker. He is a big Ivan Draco-looking motherfucker. And she runs into him and, like, God, like the super chiseled in a dark alleyway, he he cuddles her, then proceeds to fight off these bad guys, right? And and here yeah. and here's the thing. So and they'll bail on it. And the last note I have on this thing is that then, just then, mind you, do Toupee at Arms and Tila arrive, and Tila, seeing that he is unnecessarily close to a minor to this minor she immediately calls that shit out she really does she She really does i I was just protecting her i bet you i bet you were and she just (laughs) slaps that sauce on there like oh damn yeah you so i have it here uh tila ain't afraid to call out statutory when she sees it (laughs) good for her yeah right like she sees some shit going down uh, and but I also point seriously. That's the only real plot to a subplot of she being jealous of anyone getting up on He Man's little man uh, that appears throughout the whole movie. Like she's like, I bet you were. Like, and you mm. would normally think that would chase some sort of subplot where she really likes He Man. Yeah, but no, nope. That's it. That's it. She just basically so it comes off at she's like, 
but are you though? Like, are you trying to sleep with this girl? And then he goes, but, but wait, no. And then they drop it. <laughs> but wait, like, no. Weird. But weird. Wait, no. Really weird. It was really weird. Really uh, weird. Around this time, we meet Detective Lubbock. Yes. Also known as Principal Strickland from the Back to the Future I movies. I love it. The only other thing I know him it. from. Um, and, and actually, uh, to go way back, uh, I don't know if you checked. I'm sure you didn't. But there are special features to this DVD. I just thought there was a, sp- a commentary track. There is, but there's more. There's more. See, because there's like little character cards. Okay. <laughs> and they're fucking stupid. So, so wait a minute. So yeah. You're telling me that, in, first of all, certain listeners won't get this because either they're too young or they never, they were too old no. to explore the all the special features of DVDs. But there was a time period when people were mass-producing DVDs just to kind of get it out to the new medium, right? Yeah. And they chalked it with some of the weirdest, most basic-ass special features yeah. ever. So you're telling me there's a character card there's, section? There's multiple. Uh, there's one for, like, He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Tila, Skeletor, Julie, and Detective Lubick. 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 I'm sorry, not Lubick. Lubick. And... <clears throat> All of them are ridiculous. Like, it's like their name, their picture, I think like maybe like a brief description of who they are, and then like their battle cry. I think Julie's is help me (laughs) or some shit like that. It's not really a battle cry. Ugh, Courtney Cox. But the description of Lubbock. Lubbock. Um, I, I didn't, I laughed ironically at it. I wrote it down because I'm like, well, I, got, oh, I don't want to forget this shit. Please, 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 please. And I'm not going to read. Tell me. I didn't write the whole thing down, but the part that struck me was uh, the character sheet for D- Detective Lubick is arrest first, ask questions later. <laughs> Man, ain't that all 2021. Oh, my God. Right. <clears throat> Anyhow. Yeah. So, so here is. <laughs> yes. So at this point. Okay. So to catch up, Emma, I'm going to start. Hopping through the plot here to get to who this guy is. So, when chasing Courtney Cox out of the high school that they found her in, uh, the first of two sequences that piss my wife off happens. So, she's waiting by the band stage with all of their equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the when the mercenaries and the bad guys burst in and start chasing her. And in the struggle, of them very poorly, supposed to be warriors and chasing... Uh, a 17 year old girl underneath a stage and failing. Yeah. Uh, they destroy a whole bunch of what would be today extremely expensive vintage audio equipment. <laughs> but it will okay. pale in comparison to a later scene in the film. But so that, but it, it lights fire to this building. And then, so they run outside He Man, unnecessary nipples in underage girls' faces. Yeah. Uh, fourth ball breaking, and then they move along. Well, Kevin, after coming back from his much longer... Oh, well, he's showing the synthesizer guy this thing. So we cut back and forth out of this to Kevin going to his synthesizer guy at the shop. And he's showing him, and the guy's blown away, and they keep turning it on. Uh, And they notice all these cars and fire trucks going by. And Kevin arrives back at the school to notice that the whole damn thing is burning down. And his equipment is ruined, and he's asking about, uh, frantically about Courtney Cox. Where is she? What is she doing? Uh, and then the detective, uh, Lubick, 
Lubbock. 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 I'm gonna Lubbock. keep fucking this up. Shows up and he starts giving Kevin attitude immediately. Yeah. Like, hey, what are you doing here? We got Austin. He starts listening, reading off a list of charges. It's just some the punk kid. Sure. He's like, we got Austin. We got jaywalking here. What are you doing here? What are you doing? And then Kevin's like, I'm looking for my girlfriend. What are you doing? And he's like, what's your girlfriend look like? And then he starts, it's a weird, he's kind of half busting Kevin's balls. Kevin's half busting his balls. Yeah. But he's also half doing his job. And just when you think he's doing his job, he stops doing his job. And just when you think he's dicking around, he starts doing his job again. It's weird. It's like, come on. And, and Kevin like gives him a lift, lip. And it's weird. So follow me on this, dear listener. <laughs> I'll follow you. For the weird flip flop. Okay. So Kevin runs up to the building. Oh my God, what happened? A fire. My girl's in there. And then just as he goes to rush in, Detective Lubick's like, whoa, where are you going? Where do you think you're going, Slick? It's like, my girlfriend's in there. He's like, I we checked the building. Nobody's in there, okay? She's probably off doing something else. So he stops doing his job. Yeah. And he's like, no, but she was in there. You don't understand. She's missing. It's like, well, okay, easy. So what does your girlfriend look like, eh? Like, he doesn't believe him that he has a girlfriend. And the guy's like, he starts describing her. And he starts writing it down. He's like, okay, so he is doing his job. Yeah. And then he's like... <laughs> But you, what are you doing? Are we going to go look for it? He's like, listen here, I'm doing my job. I got a list of laundry list of charges here. Where were you doing this whole thing? He's like, obviously not here <laughs> with my girlfriend. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? Why don't you get out there and do your job? And he's like, I'll t- show you. And he grabs the kid's arm and he's like, where are we going? We're going downtown. And he's like, oh man, he's going to abuse him. He's like, no, to look for your girlfriend. Let's go to her parents' house. She's probably there. Like, dude, make up your fucking mind. Like, what, what are we doing here? Shit or not. So they do go. Oh, one of the best yes. uh, stereotypical '80s cop lines that I have had at a point made it a point to write down because it was amazing. Tell him to put the coffee on. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be a long <laughs> night. He you know he says, and I quote: "Keep the coffee hot. Keep the coffee hot. It's gonna be a long night." I got a feeling it's gonna be a long oh night. Oh my yeah. god! Keep the oh coffee god, hot. Fuck it. you. I was two weeks from retirement. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, they're always two weeks from fucking <laughs> retirement. Uh, so we go to Julie's house. Uh, they go to look for her. Yeah. Um, they go looking. They don't know. They're not there. Uh, the detective's giving him the... He's not a very good detective. No. He's a terrible cop and, and a detective, as we'll find out. As we know, he, he makes arrests and asks questions later. Yes, he does. And He wrote the rule book. So, so, for some reason, I don't know what Courtney Cox's motivation is here. So, Julie calls... He's at the house, Kevin being he, pronouns pal, and the detective mm-hmm. are at the house. Mm-hmm. They're looking for Julie. Signs are, there's no signs. The phone rings. They answer it, and it's Julie. Yeah. What would motivate this girl after just being chased for her life from her burning high school, mm-hmm. molested by a strange, half-naked Swedish man? Well, being chased by lizard people, beast men, people with giant katanas. Shooting at her. And a weird And she was molested card. and saved by, by Avon Draco. And then meets all these weird, clearly alien guys, and oh, uh, and and uh, Gimlock, whatever his name was, right? Uh, Gimli, <laughs> Gimlock, not Gimli, <laughs> not fucking uh, Gimli. Uh, and she, Gimlock. she has a wherewithal at this point uh-huh. to call her house to see if her boyfriend, who should be literally like right over there, compared to where she currently store. is, yeah, should be at the music store or is at the school. She's like, I'm going to call my house. What does she hope? To get her machine? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, Kevin, thank God you're there. <laughs> and then he, I don't know why he's like, yeah. And he looks down at the weird key and he's like, who is this? 
just to play with a cop there. Anyway, long story short, he pretends he, that it's not her. Yeah. She starts giving him exposition. Uh, and she, what does she tell him to do? She said, don't move. We'll be right there. Yeah. Uh, and a cop doesn't buy it. He's like, you're talking about that thing. And I tell you what. The only time he's been a cop. Yeah. No, a detective. You're not, I bet you, he's like, I bet you this ain't no synthesizer. Right. And, uh, and then Kevin takes a bucket of the shittiest looking food in human history and puts it in the microwave. <laughs> the whole bucket. Yeah. In the microwave. Cause he's hungry. Hot. He's had a long night. You just put the whole bucket in the microwave? Well, you know. Like, I know he's supposed to be a kid, but you put the whole bucket of... It's a pretty big fucking microwave. <laughs> it's a huge microwave to have that whole bucket in. And, I mean, the kid's got to be, like, old enough to know that your ribs and your chicken are going to reheat at separate times. <laughs> there's different thicknesses. There's different water consistency. You've surrounded it all by cardboard that you're just slapping in your goddamn oven. Right. And your microwave. And they put it on, and then they stand right next to this microwave. And then, do you want to take it from there? Uh, well, yeah, I guess, I suppose I can. Yeah. Um, so, at that point, because uh, that, that is, the, we kind of yep. skipped over Oh, we're stuff, skipping a bunch of shit. But, we like, to, yeah. to, to kind of really, really quickly gloss over, because it's not super as important. Uh, obviously, the bad guys failed. Yeah. The girl gets away. He-Man owns pretty much all of them, like it was his job, because it is. And they go back to Eternia. Skeletor's jacked about it. Yeah. And Evelyn's like, well, you know, he goes, well, sit, you know, fucking go help them then. And don't oh, he, fucking come back. He kills the scrotum neck yeah, guy. He, and I'm still salty back. about that because Karg should have died because he was one running the damn show. And he, he lied. And he shit the bed pretty hard. Talking about there was like a whole battalion who fought us off. We were Game outnumbered. Yeah. That guy's a fucking bitch. Anyhow. He is, he is bad middle management. Yeah, hardcore. So Evelyn now has to fucking help him. She's not happy yeah. about this so shit. So she's going to go there. So they go back, and so they're scanning for the key. Because I think at this point, uh, Kevin had already turned it back on again to show yeah. Lubick. So they're scanning for it, and the microwave is like... The microwave... So they go back to yeah. Earth, just waiting for this key to turn on. And so they do. He's showing the cop... He being Kevin. Kevin shows the cop the... Uh, the the key, uh, and then they start, and then uh, they turn it on, and the bad guys are like, oh, we found it. And just as they do, Kevin puts this giant fuck-all bucket of horrible-looking food, which is, again, the grayest piece of chicken is what he sees. Because <laughs> at one point, he's he, like, he picks it out, and he's like, oh, it's too cold and nasty-looking to eat. So he puts it in the bucket, tosses the whole bucket in the microwave, and hits start. And then apparently, and this is another point where my, this isn't where my wife completely lost it, but the microwave starts, and it apparently messes with the bad guy's sensors. Like we're, we're getting some sort of interference. Something I've never seen before. It's really difficult to be able to track this down. And then uh, Meg Foster's like, destroy it. He's like, okay. And he presses a button. A red button. The only button on the whole pad that's a red. shiny red button. How tough really is that, pal? Right? Like, hit that. Oh, I don't know if I can hit this red button. It's literally two inches from here. So but that blows up the microwave. That they're standing and next to. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. A big old honking 80s microwave, big enough to hold a bucket of chicken, explodes right next to them. And they're not like, ah! Or they're not like, oh my God, what's happening? They're like, oh, oof. Well, back in the 80s, microwaves blew up all yeah. the time. What a shitty appliance this is. Anyway, where's your girlfriend, pal? Yeah, so Lubick, he finally leaves with the yeah. key to go talk to Louie. Yeah. Uh, synthesizer guy. The synthesizer guy. And that's when the bad guys show up, they accost and brutalize Kevin, throw him through fucking tables and shit, smash him against the wall, and they put what is honestly one of the cooler parts of this movie, they strap that little uh, collar on his neck yeah. and makes him tell the truth. Oh yeah, so there's a truth <laughs> collar. There's only three times in this movie where the bad guys come out ahead in a conflict, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of them. And they they beat the shit out of this this kid, the seventeen year old, yeah, seventeen year old kid. They trash him in his girlfriend's house, put a truth caller on him, and he tells them what they want to know, and then they're moving on. Yeah, but really cool, like uh, <clears throat> almost synthesized voice. I remember yeah. that from a little kid. I remember thinking that was really cool. Yeah, that's what the truth sounds like. <laughs> Did you pee your pants? No, mother. No. Yeah, it's we. It's weird. It's like they put it in like a like a small reverb space. Yeah. You know what? Do that again, and I'm gonna put the reverb on on the episode. No. There it is. See? Did you hear that, dear listener? That's what the movie sounded like. Yeah, there we but go. Anyway, so yeah, uh, he's been interrogated. He's yeah. there. He told them what he knew about the key. Uh, the bad guys keep showing up at places, in which. They don't get what they're looking for. I guess yeah. they get the key in that scene. I guess because it's there or do no, they, no, no, because the key, because no, because uh, I don't remember. Uh, it doesn't really. Matter. How does that work? How does that well, hold on? Now he doesn't have the key because the cop took the key. Yes, to Louis, and yes. that's where when Julie and and company find him in the house. Yes, free him. He explains what happened. Then they go to Louis. That's where the big to the... first real big fight happens. All right. And this is the point where my wife lost her absolute. So I really am curious. I think I know where she got kind of pissed off or so agitated. The cop goes to the the synthesizer guy in the music store. Uh, Kevin tells the bad guys where they are, and then he tells the good guys yeah. where they are. Yeah. So they all go. Now here's the moment. Here's the moment before we get right there. Before we get there, where Kevin becomes the only intelligent person <laughs> in this movie. Now keep in mind. Courtney Cox is sitting alone in a high school gym when all of a sudden aliens burst through the door, monsters, start shooting at her, burn her school down. She runs into a a rippling, rippling, sweet, glistening Ivan Draco uh, and decides after that fight scene and conversation with two paid arms and everybody else (laughs) that she's just going to she's on board with this. Mm -hmm. She's like, you know what? I'm here for this. This is fine. Kevin, on the other hand. His girlfriend's leaving. He's trying to get her to stay to bang. She won't do it. Takes her to his, his stage act. They find some sort of weird synthesizer. He takes it to a, somebody who doesn't know where it is. He comes back to his school where he last left his girlfriend. <laughs> it's <on> fire. <clears throat> School's on fire. He then goes home. <clears throat> has to deal with cops. Then he's attacked by aliens who put a truth caller on him he's and interrogate him. And then they take the tr- then He-Man takes the truth caller off of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and He Man and the He Man's friends say to Courtney Cox and Kevin, they're like, "Will you help us?" And Courtney Cox is like, "Yes." And Kevin's like, "Hell no!" Are you fucking serious? Because he's like, "I've been through some shit. Absolutely, I'm not." And she's like, "Kevin," and he's like, "Fine," <laughs> proving that once again, <laughs> your dick has got a dick. Yeah, and you are basically hanging on for I, the ride. I love this uh, earlier in the uh, a few minutes before that scene where. Uh, he man informs Julie that, you know, your your boyfriend's in terrible danger. We have to go. She goes, okay, let's go. I'm pretty sure the correct response is, all right, you go that way. I'm gonna go in the exact opposite fucking direction yeah. where you're going. Help Kevin out. Good luck. Tell him I'll be at 22-7 Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know, like, I'll be over there. I'm not going in that direction. I would find it. She's like, oh no, that'd be <laughs> awful if my boyfriend, who I was just about oh, to break up with, is not going to be great, especially when I'm looking at fucking He Man right now. <laughs> you know, I'm leaving here like tonight, so there's no strings. It would be a real shame 
if Meg Foster like totally murdered my boyfriend, I'd hate it. But instead, she's like, ah, fuck it. I ain't got nothing else I'll to walk do. towards impending possible death and doom. And uh, Dirty Tickle Fingers. Dirty Tickle Fingers. It's coming. Oh, Dirty man. Tickle it, it does. It's it, coming. It, it shows up. Um, so then they head to the music store. They kind of meet up with everybody. There's like a big powwow about what to do. Around that precise time, uh, Tor and his troops show up. Okay, Skeletor doesn't show up quite yet. Because there's a big deal I want to make about that when he actually okay, shows okay, up. Okay. But yeah, so uh, Cop is there with Synthesizer Guy and yeah. the Cosmic Key. The good guys all show up, quote unquote good guys, to the store. And they're like, "We need." Dolph Lundgren's like, we need the key. Would you please give it to us? And the cop's like, fuck no. <laughs> and the cop, really, as we know, no disrespect to anyone. Actually, I don't. I take that back. If you, you can take all the disrespect you want in here. Yeah, but, he, but he pulls a full-on fucking power move. They're like, please, will you help us? And he's like... Fuck no. I want every detail you can spare about the situation before I hand this thing that I don't know over to you. Even though I just accuse somebody else of stealing it, so I can't prove that it's not his, <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and prove that it's also not yours. So fuck you. Let let me let me decide if this is worth it or not. And everyone's arguing in this music store when uh, the mercenaries show up. Yeah. With some troops. With some troops. Oh, oh with some black stormtroopers. <laughs> full on out. And the scene that pissed my wife off, a firefight erupts in this music shop. I know it's shot. going already. And in order for to get prepared for this firefight, our heroes barricade themselves behind mounds of vintage music gear. And a firefight. This is not where I thought this was going. <clears throat> okay. And a firefight erupts, uh-huh. which destroys nearly the entire inventory of the store in the late 80s. With what would be verifiably, today, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of vintage music gear, my wife lost her mind. She was getting itchy. Every time an explosion would happen and like a guitar would fly off the wall or a stack of synthesizers would fall over and a bang guy, she said, ah, I can't. She's getting uneasy. She's tucking her feet <laughs> underneath her while she's watching it. Like, this is the thing that bothers you. Not the fact that... Ev- and I literally have a note. There's only three characters in this whole movie that aren't wearing a cod piece. <laughs> only three. Spoiler, it's the three Earthlings that we talk about, and only three aren't wearing a cod piece. But she's concerned because a, a Marshall stack is getting blown up by black stormtroopers. I digress. Yes. I thought, it, I, I genuinely believed that her moment of, I can't take this shit no mo mm-hmm. was going to be the point, the, the part I'm going to bring up when Evelyn has like the most galaxy brain fucking idea of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, when she poses as Julie's dead mother. Oh yeah. Which also says that Julie's a fucking idiot. Okay. Yes. I have it as, I have it as, uh, we'll just get there. So there's this fight in the music scene, yeah. in the music store. He-Man, Tila, and Toupee at Arms are in the front of the store. Yeah. Fighting the black stormtroopers and the mercenaries. Meanwhile, the three humans and the little Griswold. Quildor. Uh, Quildor. <laughs> okay. Are in the back trying to figure out the cosmic key. And uh, there's a whole big subplot where the cop doesn't trust anyone and doesn't believe that any of this is real. Uh, Gribdor doesn't know what to do. The uh, Kevin is rushing everybody. And meanwhile, Courtney Cox is just trying to be super helpful and then notices out of the window. In a dark alleyway. In a dark alleyway. Her dead mom. Yeah. Her, her dead mother. Like real dead. 
And no, everyone's so distracted with the firefight out front and fighting over guns and objects that they don't notice Courtney Cox just slips out this back door to go talk to her dead mom. Her dead mother. Who proceeds to have some bullshit throwaway line of dialogue. Do you have it? I don't have it, but I remember it. She's like, hey, I thought you were dead. She goes, your father and I have really important work that we have to do. We had to stage our death, basically. We had to make it look like we were dead. Yeah, we're doing really important things right now. Okay. That little shiny thing that you have, we need it for our work. We need that. Our friends need it. And Julie, who up until that point was actively a 17-year-old kid. Yes. Just a creature, slave to her own emotions. And like... Bright sometimes. Bright for a 17-year-old. Proceeds to be the biggest idiot in the entire family. Oh, she's she's totally. I mean, I get it. Listen, if your if your dead parent who just passed away walked while there's an intergalactic invasion showed up in a dark alleyway. I mean, I mean, at this point, I probably would rush to her too. And monsters, robots. And then when she starts to say that thing you have over there, we need that. Uh... Why, mom? Why do you need that? I mean, I'll get it, but why? We Come with the, me. Yes. Kevin would like to see you. No, she runs back in, doesn't say a fucking word about having just seen her mother, which is a really important detail. And then steals the McGovern. Takes the fucking cosmic key, hands it over, only to realize in sheer horror, which is a was pure horror for her, that it was Evil Lynn, not her mother. And then proceeds to say, that woman took the key. No, Julie, you gave it the fuck away. Oh, yeah, you literally handed it away. <laughs> uh, so on this note, and it's revealed that it's Evil Lynn is the, Julie's mom. And I have, my notes on this are, uh, Evil Lynn is a heel. Julie, oh, yeah. Julie is dense. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's, pre- it's, pretty, it's pretty one-sided here uh, as far as, uh, I mean, you're just a, a creature who can shape shift and do whatever they want to do, and so you decide to manipulate. But that's that's a, that's a, that's some balls to go straight there. Yeah, yeah, like that's uh, that's 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 picking someone's most vulnerable spot. So yeah, that she that's is fine, evil. But oh man, the Julie, uh, the Courtney Cox just immediately go. You know what? Fuck all the things that the first two parts of this movie have been about. I'm just gonna <laughs> hand this over to my mom. What? <laughs> what? So meanwhile, Brian is uh, Kevin, excuse me, is back at the um, is back at the pawn shop as Julie runs out and hands it to her and it gets gets twist. Oh, it was really mean. I'm terrible the whole time. Julie runs back to uh, where Kevin and the cop and uh, Limondalvin were fighting over. Now you're now you're just not trying. <laughs> <laughs> I've been not trying for a while. <laughs> Uh, and she just comes in and she's like, Kevin! And he's fighting for his life right yeah. now. He's wrestling around the floor with, with a, a gun. gun and a cop. And, he, and she's and like, Louis Kevin. trying to help a little bit. And the whole he, thing's a mess. Yeah, and he's like, what? And she's like, I, you're never going to believe who I just saw. And he's like, who? <laughs> Which, by the way, Kevin, way to be invested when a lot's going on. And she says, my mom. And that's what Kevin's like, huh? And then she's like, my mom! My mom! took." It wasn't my mom they stole but it. But it really wasn't. And then everyone bails uh, to go help track this thing down. Yeah. So so Evelyn and now has possession of the cosmic key. Yeah. The synthesizer store is completely ruined. Now we got Skeletor who's making his arrival. And Skeletor, and they all run out to try to track this key down in the middle of the street and they see a portal open. 
And they say, that's a big portal. And it ends up being a portal big enough for Skeletor to ride in on. Now, I imagine somebody pitched this idea and did the design to where it looked like Java Sail Barge. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a cool-looking yeah. hovercraft that the villain goes. But Skeletor arrives on Earth for the first time, and essentially, what is a parade float? Yeah. Uh, and the entire time he's coming in with the way this was shot, and he's looking around, and we're like, are the villains anywhere around? I just keep thinking, if the bat dance plays right now, I'm going to lose my damn mind. Because it is almost... And the only real film reference that they steal from another movie that isn't Star Wars is the fact that this is basically the parade scene from Batman for a second. Just kind of <laughs> dulled up. Yeah. I'm like, where's, where's Prince doing the soundtrack for this one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So Skeletor finally shows up on Earth. Yeah, we have a big battle where He-Man does his absolute best to save the day. But in the end, they're like, uh, he, they, the good guys, like the, the kids, uh, T-Lin and Man-at-Arms, mm-hmm. get captured. And He-Man is forced to kind of lay down... Because, you know, he doesn't want anybody else to die. Because yeah. Skeletor was like, yo, you make another move. If you don't give me the sword, everybody's dead. Now, I don't remember... Either you become... Sl- I believe the, the agreement is you become my slave and I let yeah, all of your you friends kneel live. F- for me. Or you could resist and all of you will die now. There we go. And this is... Is this before... I think this is before he gets. she gets the dirty fingers. This is this is literally right after she. This is right after the dirty fingers. Because what he does is there. There's a whole sequence here after Skeletor shows up, where they're struggling to get the cosmic key. Yeah. And they're trading it back and forth, and Skeleton's throwing uh, all the guys that he can at this situation, and it all ends up on a rooftop where uh, Skeletor fries uses lightning to fry the the cosmic key, but in doing so, also shocks Courtney Cox. Uh, her tickle finger gives her the sweet tickle fingers on dirty her fingers, dirty fingers, yes. and it, it's like I mean, it's like it basically is poison coursing through her veins. Yes, and it's going to slowly murder her face. Murder her face, indeed. Yes. So she's been poisoned. Skeletor has taken uh, taken He Man back to Eternia as his agreed upon slave, stranding to pay at arms Tila, Kevin, <laughs> Courtney Cox, and Grimdelbald. Uh, there on Earth with uh, the cop slowly chasing after them as well. Mm-hmm. At this point, the cop, real fast, 10 seconds, uh, has gone to get more backup during this gunfight, <laughs> yeah. and none of the other cops believe him. Right, they think he's an idiot. Which, to be fair, I would too. So uh, so now the movie diverges for two concurrent plot points. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one plot point, uh, all the people stranded on Earth have to try to figure out how to get to He-Man to save him. And meanwhile, He-Man is now uh, the prisoner of Skeletor. And so before we get to this, to the real bread and butter of this, the whole reason you wanted to review this damn movie, <laughs> yeah. we get this thing where so yeah. Skeletor is now doing his monologue gloating over He-Man. Uh, that He-Man is uh, now his prisoner. Skeletor sitting on the throne of, of Grayskull. Yeah. And they, they chain He-Man to the floor and have him stand up. They're like whipping him and everything. Yes. And, so, and then Blade whips out a so terribly animated laser whip <laughs> on He-Man. And it gets weird. At least two of the strikes absolutely peak on his nipples and they start behind him and it's kind of like a real and then the movie once again uh the movie gets a little gay like at that point he man is 
Uh, he's now somehow wearing less clothes. Yes, he is. Than he is in the movie. And there's and then uh, Moby is space whipping this guy, and he is not phased by it. I mean, he's totally he's like, oh, don't use the laser whip. <laughs> Please, no. I'll never submit to you. And Skeletor is like really into it. He's like, break him. Skeletor's really invested in this. Listen, I know sometimes I try to be funny, but even my wife called it out. They're like, what's, she's like, what's happening here? (laughs) What's, what's, what's this all about? All of this was that he could tie Ivan Draco down. Make him kneel. And, and Moby could, could whip him while Skeletor sits in his chair. Definitely not impotent. Just watching it happen. Oh, oh man. Anyway, so he starts whipping He-Man, and he's like, well, moments away, we're only 0.6 parsecs from the moon rising and the eye opening. Meanwhile, back on Earth, our cadre of heroes is trying to figure out how to get there. Uh, So basically, long story short, here's a conversation. Two paid arms, like, yeah, bro, your girlfriend's been poisoned. And... Kevin's like, oh, no, is there anything that can be done? <laughs> so he's like, is there anything that can be done? And Toupee at Arms is like, yeah, only our sorceress can save him now. And then yes. Kevin goes, so you're saying nothing can be done? <laughs> <laughs> but we got to do something. And Toupee at Arms is like, I just told you how we have to, what we have to do to save her life. This is the only way. He's like, oh, there's no way to save her. <laughs> That's so true. He's like, oh, man. That sucks, though. So then, uh, Gobbledoodle. uh, (laughs) Did you fucking just like Gobbledoodle? I did. Okay, just making sure we're all on the same page. Gobbledoodle. He's like, but how can we save her, though? And Gobbledoodle's like, well, this thing is, it's funny. They asked him the question, can this thing be fixed three times? (laughs) First, Toupee at Arm says, is there any hope? And he's like, no, it's been fried. And then Kevin's like, oh, man, so nothing can be done. And Gobbledoodle's like, no, it's been broken. <laughs> and then and then Kevin stops and he's like, so there's no way. What can we do to save her? And Gobbledoodle's like, there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> oh, I, 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 just, I just remembered. So, even though I specifically said the power source is fried, I can kind of turn it on for <laughs> reasons, but it's not the power of this thing that's the problem, which you think is what it would be. So, remember that invention that I alone made? Not once, but twice. <laughs> I still don't know how it works. <laughs> and it takes tones. In music, and Kevin's like, oh, I'm a keyboard player. And, the, guy, and right. the guy's like, why the fuck didn't you say that before? <laughs> we need a keyboard player. And he's like, oh, well. And then Kevin's like, I don't think I can. It's like, the one useful skill the one that thing. you have in this movie is playing shitty keyboards. Yes. And... And as a shitty keyboard player, I can tell you, it's not a good skill to have. (laughs) And this is the one time, and there's two movies where being a shitty keyboard player can help you. 
third encounters of the uh, third uh, close encounters of the third kind in this movie. Yes. And, and, which, by the way, is the they stole that from that other movie, and they're like, okay, we we can't steal everything from Star Wars. Oh, let's take it from uh, Close Encounters, right? <laughs> and he's like, they're like, the, you have the one skill that will help, and this is the only time your skill will be absolutely useful. And he's like, I don't know though. So you're saying there's no way to help her? <laughs> oh my god! And they have to basically drag. Him into helping his dying girlfriend by doing the one thing he knows how to do. Right. And 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 to be fair, he does. He does. And just as he does, realizing that it's gonna work, that's when the cop shows up and gets <laughs> and all of them get sucked into the portal of Eternia. Yes. Just at that uh, at that moment together. So now and I'm trying to remember back. They keep cutting back and forth does- to the two. The greatest moment of cinema history happened. Happens, after I believe, that. directly before this. Okay. May I? You, uh, th- I mean, let's be real for a second. The whole reason that you suggested this podcast and that I agreed to do it was to have you talk about the moment you're about to talk about right now. It is on brand for us that it would take us two hours <laughs> to get to the point of something, to a point of a specific episode. But at that moment, so go for it. Let's be as frank as we can be. As Frank Langella as we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, let me be Langella like with that. you. We let's, should start using that. Let, yeah. me, let me be Langella with let you. Let me be Langella. Yeah. So, watch this movie a lot as a kid. But even as a child, as a child, this scene was like strong. Like it's. The movie, like, I, I feel, again, takes itself too seriously in moments. But sometimes the serious tone is sort of justified for the situation. Like, it happens but, three times in a movie. And then it, like, ping-pongs back to ridiculousness out of yeah, nowhere. immediately. But when the movie is taking itself overly serious with Langella in the scene, it works for what it's trying to do. You don't care that it's not good. Yeah. Because he sells the moment. And he's so good at that. He's a, a great actor. We all know that. So, for the purposes of uh, expressing to the audience who maybe have never heard this, never witnessed it, and I, yeah, it's not the greatest moment in cinema history. It's the greatest moment in like toy line made, cartoon made movie history, without question, without question in my mind. There's nothing else that comes close. There's like a speech. There is a speech that Skeletor drops on us. It's a, a monologue, full-on villain monologue, and it is the best villain monologue I think I've ever heard. And delivered in a way that is so powerful, so be- believable. Now, it's not, the entire thing is not just standard monologuing, heroes in peril, no. villain starts to go on. So, uh, this is basically Frank Langella just deciding that, they, they like the, the director of the film says, I need you to make this interesting. Because we're going to do all of this in post. Now, these days, we think, of course, they film this thing in front of green screen and the magic comes over. But still, in that point in the late 80s, it was still a relatively new concept to Mm -hmm. say, you have to act as if all of these other things are happening around you, even though you can't see them, because these are effects we're doing in post. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go into this? Mm Mm-hmm. So, should I set it up to to get to the subtle score? By all means. And then then we'll let you do your thing. Uh, so the whole movie builds up to the idea that Skeletor has taken 
taken the throne of Skull and is waiting for the Moonrise to be able to absorb the power of the universe to become master of the universe. Uh, they never let you know that in order to properly do that, he needs He-Man's sword. Right. At no point in the movie, <laughs> it's not really. Do they at mention all. that at all? They're like, oh, but you need his sword. It, the sorceress doesn't say, yes, but without He-Man's sword, your power will be incomplete. No point does he say, bring me the sword of He-Man. At no point does any of this clear. But it becomes very evident that once he's captured He-Man, that this sword was absolutely necessary to his plans. But convenient for you, pal, that it happened when it did. So. Any second, this eye, this big rolling window behind him is going to open up and mm-hmm. it's going to funnel the endlessness of time and space into his body to give him the power of the universe. And then Skeletor starts his monologue. So this starts with him, like, I, and I love how the beginning of the movie, it's him, like, uh, like a big hologram, holograph of him, like, yeah. Talking to that's the coolest like effect people. shot in the whole movie. It's like so it's him out into this world, and they show him from three different angles at the same time, which is kind of yeah. cool. That he's a hologram. It's how he delivers messages in attorney. Yeah. But I love how both that scene in the beginning and then the follow up scene, like almost an hour, like an hour later, is to the same eight people. Yeah, they're all yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so good and terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like four soldiers and four freedom fighters. You know, like and, and that's the three fighters have their hands yeah, on their yeah. head. Yeah. I love it. They've been they, sitting there watching, waiting oh, all this the, time. The first one was in the daytime ish. Yeah. And the second one they just put a night filter on it. Yeah. It's like, fuck it. No one will so, notice. I am not I am hundred percent not gonna do this justice. I'm not an actor. I'm not gonna try to really sell this the way that Langella sold this because I'm telling I listen, you could just YouTube this speech. It is worth watching and going, Well, goddamn. If there, if there's one thing you watch this week <laughs> Jesus have it be the monologue. Yeah. So I'm going to read it. I'll try to do it a little justice. This is two minutes and 26 seconds, by the way, start to finish. Ladies it's and so good. <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, fuck. I was born ready for this. Ladies and gentlemen, performing the master of the universe monologue. Here is Doc. People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the galaxy, chosen by destiny. To receive the powers of Grayskull. This inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Man himself bears witness. Now, I, Skeletor, am master of the universe. At this moment, everything was leading up to that. The eye has opened up. The powers of the universe are now funneling into him at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I feel it. The power feels me. Yes, I feel the universe within me. I am I am a part of the cosmos. The power flows, flows through me. Of what consequence are you now? This planet, these people, they are nothing to me. The universe is power, real, unstoppable power. And I am that force. I am that power. Kneel before your master. Fool, you are no longer my equal. I am more than man, more than life. I am a god. And then he transforms into this god-awful golden skeleton. skeleton. That that transformation ruined the scene for me, by the way. Oh, and 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 having, having him transform could have been cool. 
But but they went with like you know what we got we got a bunch of plastic gold shit. That's a it staple. Was, of I mean, it would have cool if he was like all white. Yeah, that would have that would have been really cool. Like with the cloak, it's same outfit, just like a, like a pearlescent white. Yeah, would've been really cool. Anyhow, then he turns. I mean, it's I mean it's god awful ugly. He turns and says, "Now you will kneel," and like layers of shoot out of his eyes. <laughs> Again, ruining the moment. Yeah. But that scene, that sequence was like the payoff for the movie. Right? That was the big, that was the big uh, epic monologue that you're like, all right, so we casted this guy. We got to give him something juicy. That was his swan song. And and fun fact uh, about, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier uh, in the podcast and the show, but Frank Langella has gone on saying that was one of his favorite roles ever. And it shows that he enjoyed it. What's you that? Know? It shows that he enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, his son was a big fan of He-Man, but big fan of the toys at the time. So he really wanted that role and really wanted to like nail Skeletor and make it feel like real, make him feel, make the audience feel something. And in my mind, and I think that really it's cool because as a kid, again, I'm like probably six years old, seven years old, watching this. Like that was my favorite scene in the movie. When the bad guy wins, because yeah. that speech was so powerful, because he he was feeling that moment, you know, and I, I that's so that was like a the biggest reason I wanted to do this episode alone was just that one scene because if that scene did not happen or if he delivered it totally differently, it'd be a whole different movie experience. Yeah, and then which, so okay, everything's leading to it's always been about Skeletor and He Man, right? Yeah, it's always about. They those actually two. literally say that. Yeah, that's I love several, that right? several times in the movie. It's it, it's just between you and I, and, and it, he's like, a, no though, and he's like, but really though. So there's like a really cool like. Uh, so we're gonna skip a lot of BS that doesn't really matter. So like the people get teleported in. There's a big battle while it's happening. The heroes stranded on Earth are now yeah. in. There. They come right as Skeletors in Super God mode. Yeah. So at this point, he man had broken one chain. In the chaos, and is re- and I think he breaks the other chain, and he's reaching for his sword, and Skeletor and all his godly powers. He's the master of the universe, Noah. Yeah, and he is shooting lasers at He Man to prevent him from picking the sword up, and it's like pushing He Man back, and he's grabbing it again. It's pushing him back, and he grabs it one more time, and he's struggling with the powers of the godhood of Skeletor, and He Man is a bad motherfucker. Yanks that sword out. And now it's time to dance. Like, to me, that's like, that's a hero moment. I mean, yeah. I'm going to flip that around. And this is where the movie, even more so, comes off the rails. Oh, it does. This whole, the whole ending. Because he gets the power of the gods, he wins. And the first thing he does is shoot lasers out of his eyes. wouldn't you? Directly. Do you know where he hits He-Man? In the nipples. <laughs> More nipple play in this movie. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm all big now. And He-Man's like, oh, yeah, you are. You're all big. And he's like, zap, right on your nips. That's what he fucking does. He's got infinite power. And the first thing he does is nipple play. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Movie, it's got, it's got a vibe at this point. Uh, and then. Everyone shows up, which catches the god off guard, by the way. That Absolutely everyone, does. And they showed up, and he's like, what, what, what? And then he starts shooting. <laughs> and for being an, an omnipotent person, uh, he is terrible at this because he not only proceeds to poorly shoot lasers at He-Man, and not only does he not do anything good, but he lets him get away. He helps him get away, right? Effectively. Effectively. But He-Man, this entire time, is like 15 feet in front of him. <laughs> He's all like, pew! And He-Man's like, 
dodge, and it ha keeps happening. So, like, either Skeletor is the most useless person in a universe full of stupid, useless people. Either There's got to be one or two answers. Either Skeletor is the most stupid and useless being all-powerful and failing at basic concepts here. Or two, he wanted to keep the foreplay going. <laughs> and he lets He-Man get away. I mean, maybe. Captain so that could be just come down to one-on-one -on -one of them in a hot lava area, and then things go where they may. That's one of the two options. Yeah, at one point earlier uh, this evening, you said something about the smartest person being uh, Kevin. Yes. I will, I will actually totally disagree with you. He might be the second smartest person in this whole movie. The award for the smartest person in this movie is actually Evil Lynn. Because at this point, she just fucking bails. <laughs> That's right. I completely <laughs> forgot. I was asking myself that question. It's like, where did she go? And like, she's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm out. She takes her, Beast Man, and Karg, and they're, she's just... Let's go. And he goes, but what about the master? And she just goes, let's fucking go, man. <laughs> this ain't going to end well. She's like, yeah, I, I see how this plays out. We stranded them on Earth with the world's worst fried chicken. And they still found a way <laughs> here. We're fucked. <laughs> can, can you imagine a slightly different level? <clears throat> let's leave. But Evelyn, how, we should save Skeletor. It's like, you fool. They've got a keyboard. They <laughs> <laughs> got a keyboard. We can't them. defeat them. He oh can play God. the keys. And he plays it very mediocre, mediocrely. It's not good. Uh, He's in a band, guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing now prom. There's a little fun tidbit about the end of this, this, this whole sequence, actually. Uh, two, uh, because of financial difficulties, uh, Canon Cinema uh, made the decision to just continue all filming three days before its scheduled end. Before this was even filmed, actually. Uh, which kind of left the movie kind of in limbo for in a while. In limbo. An almost done limbo. Yeah. Uh, so, all the climactic scenes were completed, bar the final scene, which is what we're in right now, and the resolution between He-Man and Skeletor. After two months of nothing, Canon Cinema allowed director Gary Godard to uh, film the, the ending in a complete rushed manner. So, I feel like... Had that not happened, we may have had a slightly different ending. I mean, for sure, right? He probably had a lot more. That we are, we got to cut the fat. So He Man's getting nip play. Uh, good guys show up from Earth. Uh, Skeletor lets He Man go. Evelyn dips the fuck out. Yeah. But the Black Stormtroopers still have everybody yeah. else pinned down. While He Man and Skeletor decide, for some reason, to then move their fight out of this giant chamber into an unknown area that we have not seen thus far in the movie. Yeah, it was just a dark room with one light. Um, no, it's it's basically that uh, in the realm of ideas that were then stolen from this movie, right? Just like the Chronicles of Riddick, their final fight takes place on a bridge over what is definitely totally not the the pit. From the Death Star 2, <laughs> just red instead of gray and blue. Mm. But it's also got a bunch of other bridges, like, stacked up underneath it, just like that board for Mortal Kombat 2 or 3 that mm. has all those bridges around. Mm. So, and it's, they just, because they, they go to the basement somehow, and this is what the basement of <laughs> Castle Grace. where all the fun stuff like. happens. Yeah. Uh, it, and interestingly, that, that fight, if I recall, I think it was after this, after they go down to that area. Yeah. He-Man takes the sword and smashes his uh, Skeletor's staff, which somehow removes his godhood. 
which made no sense. No, no. Because I had, didn't realize the staff had anything to do with his godhood. I thought it was the sword and the eye of the galaxy yeah, giving him again, the godhood. Yeah, it makes no sense because he has the staff. And the staff, I never really noticed that it was a, a thing. Until whenever uh, he bans being whipped, and Skeletor is absolutely losing his shit over watching this. <laughs> like, he's seriously out of breath when this happens. He's, watch this, he has his face up against the head of the staff. He's like, you will kneel. And he's like, really, like, face up, it's a weird thing. It is weird. So then the staff turns into gold when he turns into gold. But the sword is what gave him the power or opened the door. But the staff is a thing. And then uh, and then He-Man, uh, He-Man straight up fucking breaks his staff in half with a big powerful stroke. And now Skeletor is normal. Yeah, which makes, again, zero sense. That's that rushed part, man. Yeah. I feel like there, there had to been a there had to been a more logical, fleshed out idea than that. That's a bold statement. I, there didn't have to be. Because like, they had it, all the time in the world it, to shoot the first half fl- of this movie. It flies anyway. in the face of the whole purpose of how he gets the power to begin with. So for him, shatter... That's the easiest way. The, the, his, his spear, his, his staff is shattered. You are no longer God. That's quick. It's simple. It's cheap. It's easy. Yeah. Less scenes to film, less exposition, less special effects. Let's go with it. And then uh, Skeletor tries one more time to trick He-Man by stabbing him. Oh, he does the villain thing. He's like, you're defeated, Skeletor. Yeah. He's like, yes, I. Um, and then he's got a little dagger. Yeah. yeah. He has, no, he has a sword. It's a full sword, yeah. It's the but, other half of the fucking yeah. Yeah, sword of Grayskull. And He-Man does a little juke, debates him, and he falls off the fucking... Uh, He-Monkey flips him. <laughs> he might as well have. Yeah, and to, uh, in, into the pit. And then, and for our last major Star Wars reference, the yeah. hooded evil dark guy that shoots lightning out of his uh, hands uh, on a big throne in front of a... By the way, on his bat float earlier in the movie when he's shooting lightning out of his hands, it's basically the window from the Death Star. There's like a full design behind there. Mm. It's just purple. Mm. Uh, and he falls down a well to his doom, just like the Emperor. Yeah. For our 111th and final major Star Wars reference in this film. And at the end, we have, uh, which I got a kick out of uh, Lubick just staying in Eternia because he found a woman. For no reason. I, I mean, he's like, I got nothing else to go back home to except for his three children and his wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's that, that is really funny. That is really, really funny because he's how we get told all of a sudden after he fucking chucks Skeletor, yeets him off this bridge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then we just cut to some unknown time later where everyone's all clean. And happy, and then uh, Kevin rolls up, and he's like, "Lubick, are you really staying?" Like, like, wait, this was an option, and Lubick is now wearing a space toga for yeah, some goddamn he really reason is. with a blonde lady that we've never seen and, uh, at this point. And he's like, "Why would I want to go anywhere? I got this lady here and a castle." Like, yeah, what? What? You got like, a wait a minute, they're giving you real estate. Is he like security now for this place? Yeah, and he's like, uh, "Why would I go room. anywhere?" It's like, "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah, no, no, none of it. It's like, it's like, little do you know he comes from a broken marriage. I've had five <laughs> divorces. I'm two weeks from retirement. Yeah, he's retired now. <laughs> oh, man. And Vira, Kevin, or Juliana fucking just stayed in Eternia. I mean, yeah, so so that, that's my point. So then uh, he, man, everyone's like, okay, everything's all normal. Uh, and then you see toupee at arms. Toupee is now combed down. <laughs> yes. And it becomes so obvious that it's a toupee. But meanwhile, Tila, who has a very flash dance outfit on the whole time headband her hair is like super messy yeah it's still messy 
Uh, she's just wearing a different outfit that still goes right up the crack of her ass. It does. Uh, and you, I only notice this because in every scene that she's in, they show her ass and only her ass for a second. I uh, 100% notice that. Yes. <laughs> 100%. You see nipples from He-Man in yeah. so many shots. Like, he just leans in. They have him, like, leaning into things, and it's just his, his peck moving. <laughs> and then you see the straight-up crack of her ass. They also make sure to show you everyone's codpiece and Evelyn's boob cups. Yeah. The whole movie. Anyway, so everyone's like, we're fine. How's this going? Everyone's back to normal? Great. And so, <laughs> right. and so like, oh, you stay in Lubeck. And he's like, yeah. And the sorceress is like, thank you, humans, for your help. We appreciate it. And they're like, because <laughs> they're, they're just, they're out of time, right? Like, oh, awesome, cool. Uh, Grindelfoblin, are you, are, did you fix the thing? And he's like, yeah. Gwildor. Gwildor. <laughs> Gwildor. Ain't no Q. <laughs> Gwildor, yeah, Gwildor. I know yeah, it's yeah. Gwildor now, and I'll forget it in eight seconds. But Gwildor is like, yeah. So I suddenly remembered how to work this thing that only I invented, and they're like, oh, sweet. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure you want to go back home? Here's, here's, I, I literally wrote this down. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you because it's at the end of the movie. Yeah. And they're like, he's like, so, are you sure you want to go back? He's like. This thing can go to any place in time and space. Right. Past or future. And he looks at these two 17-year-old kids, and he's like, do you want to go back in time? Now, keep in mind, Courtney uh, Courtney Love. Courtney Love, huh? Courtney Cox is like, I I hate the fact that I feel responsible. Oh, by the way, I murdered my parents (laughs) earlier in the movie. I know you forgot about that. Yeah. He's like, you want to go back in time? And the kids are like, nah. Just send us to the They're like, no, seriously, though, let's get out of this. Let's get going. We we really got to go. No, no more of this shit. And then they send them through the time. They give them this gem that says, always use this to remember Eternia. And just as they go through the time, she's like, oh, wait, but did you mean, like, oh, shit, you mean the actual blah, 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 blah? Yeah, and then they go back in time. And then, and then, dear listener, the most ridiculous part of this movie happens. It's not the nipples. It's not the so erotic whipping and Skeletor starts licking the shaft of his staff scene. <laughs> the shaft of his staff. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there's a lot of shaft staff going on here. It's not the fact that the, 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 the fucking thing that saves the universe is the fact that this kid is a shitty keyboard player. <laughs> It's the fact that he's like, do you want to go back in time? And Courtney Lo- Cox is like, no. Courtney Love? Again, Co- Courtney Love's probably like, yeah. No, but Courtney Cox is like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, my God. Too. Yeah. Okay, no. Uh, so Courtney Cox is like, no. And then she's like, but wait. And then she sucked back in time. It's the fact that after all of this, she wakes up in bed for some reason in full Christmas Day five-year-old little girl pajamas. She really does. It's like a fucking sleep shirt with that's got a turtleneck <laughs> and frilly arms. And she's like, and this was what sticks me up. So she wakes up and she realizes, oh, was it all a dream? Like you dress so, and keep in mind her parents are supposed to be dead, which means she would have had to have dressed herself <laughs> in this fucking turtleneck frilled thing. And she runs down the steps. Has it all been a dream? And oh my god, my dad is alive. Mm. 
In which case, the worst part, and whenever Evelyn is pretending to be her mom, this is where she doesn't say, Mom! She doesn't say, Mommy! She says, Mother! <laughs> which didn't make sense to me. Until I saw her run down the steps in her Christmas Day special yeah. turtleneck sleep shirt. Father! Mother! And then the story's exposition starts to make sense. I didn't put together that they were like that. He was the pilot. He was the pilot, yeah. Yeah, I didn't put that together she, until she straightened up. The stole shit. Jax, not only the keys to this plane. Oh, we're just going to the beach. I've changed my mind. I I, I am actually, I want to go. Which means legitimately that she was going to die on the beach in the plane with him. She's choosing death over the rest of her life with Kevin. By the way. <laughs> and another fucking day at Robbie's Ribs and Chicken. Yeah. But instead of that, she's like, no, I can't let you go. Smart move. Yeah. She steals the the keys to the plane, and for some reason, a whole big stack of maps. Well, they got to figure out how to get to Catalina. Which makes me think, did all of this actually still happen? Did they even use the maps? <laughs> that's maybe that's what Which I is why he crashed that. the goddamn plane. <laughs> and she just runs out of her house with a stack of maps and keys. Ooh, they find she finds Kevin who's fully dressed as if he nothing just happened. got sucked back. Yeah, which yes, makes no sense. None of this makes sense. Which means whatever day this actually happened in, at this time in the morning, she was dressed in the world's worst night outfit, and he was fully dressed wherever he was. Which means, which leads me to believe that maybe Kevin has a side piece. Oh, he ha- absolutely does. He absolutely has a side piece in this that he was playing synth- shitty synthesizer lines for. <laughs> Who actually was impressed. Yes. <laughs> and she can't wait for Courtney Cox to move and continue. <gasps> oh, my God. What? I'm just having a realization. What? So in the beginning of this movie, when you first meet Courtney Cox, she's working at Robbie's shitty ribs and chicken stand. Yeah. And the first thing she says is, bye. And she hands someone her food. And, uh, and she's like, I can't believe this is my last day. And, the, and then a girl she works with said, I have to tell you something. You will absolutely regret it if you break, if for the rest of your life, if you break up with Kevin Corrigan. That's his fucking side oh. piece, dude. She knows. Because she's like, because you don't know how good you got it. <laughs> you don't know how good you got it. Because his synthesizer lines are dank. They're dank. They're oh dank synth lines. And you're going to go to New Jersey, where they still have shitty fast food, by the way. Meanwhile, it's going to be me and Kevin and his synthesizer lines and his, and his sweet fucking band. <laughs> oh, my and God. And we're going to go hang out at Synthesizer Guy's shop, like, all the time. So, here's my question. Did you watch to the end? Like, past ending credits? Uh, no. And I'll tell you why. Because I know what's going to happen. Because I have, I, if you ask me name one thing from this movie that you know of, I would point out the post credit scene mm. reveal because I've seen that like 12 times somehow over my life. I think <laughs> something I watch randomly edited that reveal to it. I, I kind of, I'm curious what that could have I been. I have to figure it out. Yeah, but he pops want, up out of the water. Yeah. I'll be back. I, ah, does he say, oh, I live. Does he say, I'll be back? I'll be back. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And uh, as a kid, I'm like, ha! You're like, no! It's gonna die! Yes. So, speaking of uh, a potential sequel. Oh, no. So, a script for the sequel, t- to be titled Masters of the Universe 2, Cyborg, was written. It followed He-Man, who returned to Earth to battle Skeletor, who had left Earth post 
in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> right. The film was to feature Trapjaw and She-Ra. And Albert, I'm going to butcher this shit, Payan was hired to direct. Because the film bombed at the box office, Patel and Cannon decided to cancel the production of the sequel. Payan, Pyun, rewrote the script, which became Cyborg. The movie Cyborg. Well, there you go. I don't know how true this is, but I feel confident that's probably what happened. That sounds about right, actually. Yeah. So, I like your script, but I don't like most of the things about it. <laughs> but robots, that's pretty cool. Let's let's stick with let's that. Let's go with that. We'll keep you, give you the writing credit for it. Yeah. Did you ever hear the story of, of, uh, of how Die Hard with a Vengeance got made? No. Two seconds, because I'm sure we'll go about my love of that damn movie. Oh, wow. Uh, we have sometime. to cover Die Hard. Uh, oh, yeah. Die Hard. But, so, Die Hard 1 is uh, an unnecessary success. Mm-hmm. So they green light and make Die Hard 2, which is a commercial success, but critically pan. Because, well, it's Die Hard 2. And the greatest gift that Die Hard 2 ever gave us was Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <laughs> to which, anytime I do something again, I call it That Thing 2, That Thing Harder. Thank you so much, Fox Pictures, for that gift. But, so, Die Hard 3 was in development, like, three different times over the years before they started okay. greenlighting it. And Fox bought a bunch of scripts. And one was for a movie in which a serial killer makes a detective go through a bunch... An over-the-hill detective go through a bunch of hoops to try to catch him okay. before he he kills again. Okay. Called Simon Says. Ah. And somebody at Fox was like, yeah, this is great, but what if... <laughs> The main character was the guy from Die Hard, John McClane, and the bad guy was related to the guy from the first Die Hard, mm. and they were like, no, and he's like, I already okayed it. <laughs> it's kind of happening. We'll do three scenes that connect your script to the Die Hard universe, otherwise this guy's John McClane now. And despite that, it's like, it's the second best Die Hard movie. Die Hard with a Vengeance is spectacular. Incredible movie. And listen, I'm not, and you, I don't know if you even know this about me, I'm not a huge Die Hard fan. I've never been. Yeah. Uh, like, I like the first movie, but I can honestly tell you, I've probably watched the movie like twice in my life. Die Hard with a Vengeance, however, so I've watched. It's my I'm not fav- even sure how many times. It's my favorite of the Die Hard movies. I don't think, I think you can objectively say it's the best, right? It's my favorite. Yeah, but it's, oh my God, like, there's whole vibes in that movie that I adore. I adore that idea of New York City in 1995 with the whole soundtrack and the mm-hmm. hands going, oh, this movie's so good. It's the original Captain America elevator scene. scene Because the, he realizes he's in an elevator trapped with all kinds of uh, of the thugs. <laughs> and he just, he, he literally, they stole that scene for Winter Soldier. Yeah. Literally stole that I scene. I didn't know that. I didn't oh. realize that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that's, uh, so Cyborg is what comes out of yeah, the yeah. perspective. Meanwhile, Masters of the Universe, the TV series continued on for a little while. Yeah. And there's been countless attempts to rebrand it. And now here in 2021, I guess a little traction has been made with an anime movie. Yeah, there's the, the TV show on Netflix. Yeah, is that a TV show or a movie? Yeah, it's, an, it's a TV show. Whatever. Which has been, uh, I have never watched it, but I've been paying a little bit of attention to the reception. And it has not been, not been good <laughs> uh, because I guess it is, was kind of a little bit of a debate. Yeah. And it is actually about uh, Tila, not He-Man. Uh, yeah. They and, hated you. 
And I guess, and, and, and look, listeners, I, I'm sure some, some of you may know way more about this than me. I'm, I'm only just going off of what I, what I understand, what I've read, very little. But as I understand it, the show, and I was interested in it because I saw some trailers. They looked kind of interesting. I'm like, well, maybe I'll check it out. I got Netflix. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get around to it, but then I started to look into like, okay, was this any good? And apparently, I guess how the show, even to me, was sold is this is about He-Man because He-Man's the main character. Turns out, he has very little to do with this. No, and it's about Tila instead. Okay, and there's a lot of a lot of He-Man fanboys uh, and fangirls God. who are not happy about this. I would not want to. And Kevin to Smith, run into who I I think he wrote and produced this, has come under a lot of fire because his reaction to that is, "We didn't lie." Well, it kind of did, I guess, because advertising advertisements as as advertisements. So. It's what you're pushing, the story, what you're pushing is that's what we're looking for. If you tell me this is a Masters of the Universe TV show, I will assume it's about He-Man, Prince Adam, because that makes a lot of sense with Battle Cat and the whole nine. Ugh. And then it just isn't really. He's in it, but he's not the main character. Oh. And it, and it, I think it, it pissed off a lot of the internet world. But to be fair, it doesn't take much. No, it does not. Uh, and if you're the kind of person who would label yourself as a hardcore Masters of the Universe fan or He-Man fan, right. which is a whole type of alliteration I wasn't attending for, uh, you gotta you. Uh, that's the hill you've chosen to die on. Hey, more power to you. Yes. So. But yeah, that's, this was our Masters of the Universe. This is my love letter to the Masters of the Universe. It's it is. My, one of my favorite child, child, you know, 80s movies I've ever watched. And it'll stay that way. At least now, Mr. Brown, you have an idea why I enjoy it and I adore it so much. And I mean, and we will talk about other films uh, that do the same thing for both of us sometime. Uh, we absolutely need to talk about some of the key films that surrounded this. I mean, in the in the eighty, being a boy in our age in the eighties, there were three eighties properties that took, captured everyone's imagination: He Man, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, all right. And then you could sprinkle in being a really little kid and there being Teddy Rockspin or something along those lines, right? You ever, you ever dig into My Pit Monster? No. Well, We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll, yeah, yeah. We, I don't we'll think there's enough that. meat on that boat or Teddy Rockspin to be a whole episode. No, but, but we could talk about a all of that general stuff and like the Mad garbage balls. Yes. Okay. And garbage pail kids. Oh, they. Yeah. yeah. My sister got me into that. All right. We'll, we'll get. Well, that's a separate time. Uh, but we'll dip in a lot of that stuff. But I. I it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, but I have a question to ask you. Yeah. Uh, and this is how I'd like to end the episode. Mm-hmm. Our, our discussion here today on this. What is a He-Man? Like what's a She-Ra? I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> so, but they took he, and they took a man. Yeah. They double gendered this walking muscle, but like they fucking called him He-Man. Like I gotta, I gotta break this down. Like this, this really killed me. I keep, I have notes that keep going through this. Oh, his name is really He-Man, and then later on. But his name is He-Man, though. And I keep going on. Homie walks around calling himself He-Man. He-Man. Is that like trying to like, what's your nickname? Like, oh, yeah, my nickname is Maverick or <laughs> Awesome Sauce. Well, yeah, because in the movie, you don't, you don't get any other name other than He-Man. No, they just call him He-Man. Everyone's chasing He-Man. But like, no one's like, but what the fuck? Your name is He-Man. If someone walked in and like, what's your name? 
Milton. And they'd be like, Milton? <laughs> but like, what's your name? He-Man. They're like, oh yeah, that's cool as hell. Like, yeah. right, I'm like, God damn, this, this is guy. the 80s. Your name's fucking He-Man. Uh, that name doesn't get any more 80s. He-Man. He Beast Man. Moss Man. No, still. Man that's, at Arms. No, Beast Man. Man, okay, yeah. Uh, man at Arms, right? These are all like, oh, we're shitty. Uh, okay, so name an action figure. But someone's like, shit. This guy's got to be the main well, action figure. Think about figure, it. Though. He's an action figure. So He-Man, for an action figure. Can I, yeah, can I give you my idea of how this was pitched? I'm, I'm curious. All right, guys. So we got this whole line of, doll, uh, of dolls. Got Beast Man. Moss Man, Man in Arms. It's a giant battle cat. A lot of cool shit, right? But what do we call it? We got our big muscular hero. What do we call it? And then someone just goes, He-Man. <laughs> Why not? And, some, and someone just goes, you know what? Fuck it. Why not? Print it. <laughs> you sure it wouldn't be more? <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> right off a stripper's ass. It's the 80s. He-Man. Yeah. I like it. All right, guys, I got, a, I got an idea. I got an idea. Okay. Our main guy. All right. He. He is our hero. He. All right. Bear with me. Bear with me. He. He. He is our hero, right? All right. But, but he's a man. But he's, but he's a man, though. He is a man. He is our hero, and our hero is a man. He is a man. So I got a fucking idea, and it's great. What do we... Oh, my God. All right. He is a man. So his name. His name. His name, right? His name is He-Man. I'm like, is that a fucking great? Is He-Man. He, where you going? Guys, where you going? Guys, guys, <laughs> guys, come back. Guys, fuck it, print it. Because oh, that's the man. only way it makes sense if someone's like, I don't know, He-Man. That's. <laughs> I'm, with, no, I'm with you on that. How is his name He-Man? It, it, But it worked. It absolutely worked. Did it, though? Yes, because I own those toys and so did you. <laughs> now, it's important for me to say then that I have no memory of having any He-Man toys. I know I did. I have no memory of any specific toy. I have absolutely vivid memories of seeing parts of this movie mm. when I was a child. But I, but I have no reason to believe that I wasn't, of course, a He-Man fan. Of, I mean, yeah. But Even if you weren't a huge He-Man fan, you were a fan. You know what I mean? That's like naming, like, hey, so did you name your, name your member? And someone's like, yeah, it's Dick Penis. <laughs> <laughs> Dick penis is the name of my penis. Oh my god! Well, Just gonna double nail it down. Listen, I have enjoyed this talk, this walk down yeah. memory lane from 1937, oh. uh, and I'm really glad that we got a chance to chat about it and, and deep dive it a little bit more for over two and a half hours. It's just a whole thing. This is a this has really been. A whole thing that we went on. Uh, I was worried with Children of Men that we just went minute for minute with that movie. <laughs> and we came, up, we came about like seven minutes ahead of the entire length of the film. And yeah. we emoted for a while. This, I feel like that movie took forever to get through. But we took super long yeah. to get to He-Man. Oh, uh, shit. Listen, it's just because we we talk. We, 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 we go on tangents. We we get on our little soapbox. We blabber. We, we babble. This is what we do. So... We do it well. So I really hope that this is a movie that, like, legitimately you have no need to watch before listening to this. Now you should go watch it. I mean, yeah. Like, 100% now uh, watch it. Well, here, you can't find Now you can't stream it. As of the time recording this, you're going to have it's, to physically go find it. It's Just buy it on Amazon. Go ask somebody just for it. Just go buy it. Just go buy it. But we hope you've enjoyed uh, our, our long-winded conversation yes. about yes. Masters of the Universe in its entirety. Uh, coming up next... It's our super meta episode, <laughs> pro wrestling style, 
the WCW concept Bash at the Beach. We're going to be talking about our favorite, but most importantly, the worst moments from that pay-per-view. But we're going to be on location. It's vacation time for us. So join us next time as we bash, bash at the beach, at the beach. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be an experience. And then, uh, and then you know what? I would, I would typically promote the episode after that. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm going to. Okay, I, I because, was wondering where you were going with this. Because after bashing, bash at the beach, at the beach, we're going to be in the world of video games once again as we talk about one of the most influential video games of all time. Mm. Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting subject. Uh, I, I'm not sure where this is going to go. It's mm. cultural impact. Or... Do we ever truly know? Rare. Rare do I ever know. Yes. Maybe uh, we'll talk about Rare. Hey, while we're on there, I feel like we probably will. Yes, because how do you get, how do you get there? <laughs> well, we'll find out. Go from Conquer's Bad Fur Day to GTA. That's where yeah, I'm going. Conquer's Bad Fur Day and Goldeneye, both yeah. rare games. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be a fun talk. And um, seriously, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate you know you giving some of your time of your day to listen to us talk about a singular subject for almost three straight hours. Ugh. Please take breaks, pause, come back the next day to listen to it because I don't know if I could do this. Take the week. Yeah. Take Listen to us slowly. Ten minute I mean, increments. I mean, if it's a if it's two and a half hours about the Masters of the Universe, <laughs> and your commute was twenty five minutes long, you could if you listen to us uh, Tuesday when you left for work, Tuesday when you come home for work, <laughs> Wednesday when you left for work, Wednesday when you came home for work, Thursday when you went to work, and then for about half of your car ride, you could listen to me say Tuesday when you went to work, Tuesday when you came home from work. Then you could probably do it by the end of Thursday. Yeah, I think it'd yeah, be kind yeah. of. Kind of interesting, but um, we appreciate you, especially Absolutely. especially you, Peru. We're hoping you're still listening, because if not, fuck you, fuck you. You know, I you know you just remind me. I haven't sexually assaulted or verbally abused our audience the entire time. That's probably a good thing. Let me just say that uh, right now we have the data that could suggest <laughs> that I could fit the entire audience in my mouth. I'm just gonna say that. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. he said that with a straight face folks just that's the best part about all this <laughs> my, it's like it's like my my mouth <laughs> ran out the door and my brain was like wait what and by the time I caught up with it it was in the parking lot right saying like, some shit uh, saying the some question shit. is what that mouth do well what that mouth do? <laughs> that mouth tell you. Thanks for joining us on Nothing yeah, thanks for Thanks for hanging. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yes. Anywhere you distribute your podcast. Hey, you know what? We haven't asked anyone to do this yet. But for our one listener, uh, what did you tell a friend? Oh, yeah. Tell yeah. people who are okay with listening to bullshit like this. Like if you, if you, especially in the age of pandemics, if you have found that you know someone in your life who has missed useless bantering, Mm. Why don't you recommend us? Yeah, yeah. We will uselessly banter all goddamn day. Yep, and it's what that's that's the thing. That's what we do. So please tell a friend. Uh, maybe they'll thank you for it. They'll give you a Christmas present for it or something. Or if you find out that that's why they chloroformed you and left you in the woods, ah, it was a bad you. call then. You know what? That's on us. That's on, I'll take that hit. Right, we'll take that one. <laughs> we'll take that one. All right, Mr. Brown. It's a pleasure, man. Doc, as always, we, we I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You guys have a nice one. Have a safe uh, journey out in the world. Be safe out there. Be good to each other. See you next week. Later. <laughs>